0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back for our Acts video series. Uh, this last Sunday, we've talked about the conversion of Saul and, uh, and Jesus revealing himself to Saul as he was continuing to persecute the church. And today, we're jumping into uh, the section of Scripture where Saul, immediately after his conversion, begins to preach the gospel in, in the synagogues. And these are some of the stories Of uh, Saul's early conversion and some of the things that God was doing through him. So we're gonna read Acts chapter 9, verses 20 through 43, talk a little bit about it, and then we'll hand it over to the groups. So Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 20, says this And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and led him through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus... He had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity, and in those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up, and gave, he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. So there's a whole lot, not just about Saul, but also about Peter and some of the incredible miracles that God was doing in and through the early church. One of the things that I love about this passage, there are two words in there that just jump out at me, and it's the words, it multiplied. The church multiplied, and it was growing like crazy in the midst of all of these specific instances of God working and doing miracles, and even Tabitha essentially being resurrected from the dead by, uh, you know, Peter, you know, God working through him. It's, incredible the the witness that all of these signs and wonders were to the watching world and the church just began to grow and grow and grow and multiply but it begins with saul and his conversion and uh and immediately preaching the message of jesus which is just fascinating to me like instantly
1: yeah and so he's he paul reminds me of the kind of person right he is either all in or he is all out. Yes. So he was either murdering Christians or he was ready to like preach the gospel. And die for Jesus. And die for Jesus. (laughs) So, I mean, to the point, I mean, there's a lot of little stories in this. This is kind of like, uh, you know, with him being lowered down, Mm -hmm. um, you've got Barnabas kind of being a peacemaker, you know, saying, hey, no, I can vouch for, um, you know, I can vouch for this guy. He's, he's, He's the real deal. He's the real deal. He's not just trying to trick us, To get us all in the same place to then murder
0: us. Which if you're the disciples at that point. That's what I would think. That's understandable why they had that suspicion.
1: (laughs) Right. It wasn't that long ago. He's holding the coats, right? And just saying like, you know, murder Stephen. And so, you know, this, this uh, you know, Saul who, you know, has been blinded is now sees and is now preaching the truth and and convincing people that Jesus was the Christ, which was, you know, their job, right? Like yes. that was the job was that people were supposed to recognize the Christ when he came, you yes. know, the Messiah. And he's he's able, because of his really good understanding of Scripture, to be able to explain through the Old Testament all the prophecies pointing to who Jesus is. And so he's really well-equipped actually to do this job. Yes. And and then you have these couple miracles you know back to back, where you have um you know the healing of the lame person and then and then the raising from the dead, mm-hmm. so this is like another level too, where it's sort of like can Jesus' disciples do what Jesus did mm-hmm. and Jesus, you know Jesus rose people from the dead, but you wouldn't assume right that the disciples would be able to do that, yeah, or even would consider trying <laughs> and they so they be- they're beginning also to believe and live and walk out the belief that they could walk in the same power and then in the same authority that Jesus did, which is which is quite an amazing thing. I mean, at the time, yeah, um, you know, I would expect the Messiah to be able to raise people from the dead, but the fact that Jesus handed it off to his disciples and they could do it,
0: yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's it's challenging and stretching for us as it well, is. you know to think about the and Jesus even saying you will do greater works than me. And what does that mean? And we see that being lived out in the early church where they are not only doing the things that Jesus actually did but they're even doing greater works. And as they're doing these things, word is spreading and people are, you know, coming in and then being sent out and the church just it begins to grow like crazy. And, you know, Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, the gospel is just spreading like wildfire at this point. And one of the things that's interesting is, you know, with the martyrdom of Stephen, that being the impetus for, you know, the gospel going outside of Jerusalem, right? And the persecution is still happening also now in Uh, Judea and in Galilee and Samaria and what we see throughout the history of the church is where there is persecution actually the church is growing like crazy Mm. and where there are you know governmental protections and where there is freedom of religion like we enjoy obviously in the United States there there is this level of stagnation and I think a part of that is when Christians, Christians have an ability to endure persecution and suffering in a way that doesn't make sense to the world. Right. Because there is, this, there is this knowing that we have a Savior who endured horrendous suffering and persecution, even to the point of his own death. And he gives us the strength and he's with us and he gives us the ability to walk through those things. So as people see Christians suffering or grieving, but not without hope, Right. You know, there's something intriguing about that going, okay, how can you have that level of strength or that level of courage to endure? Um, And the only, the only rational answer for that is we have a Messiah who endured the same and he's with us now. Yeah. You know, and this reminds me of a conversation
1: I had with somebody in one of my life groups when we were talking about one of the healings that happened and um, they had a reaction to it, which I thought was interesting, which is disappointment. Like a, like a almost like a sadness, like I want to see that. Mm. I want to see people get healed. Mm-hmm. I want to see people, you know, raised from the dead. I want to see those kinds of miracles. And I do think you do see, in a special kind of way, the Holy Spirit um, confirming the message in these stories. But also, I think um, it's a challenge to our faith to go. These miracles, this power, the same authority is available to the church. Today, and I guess this is a question. I'll just throw you off maybe a little bit. But like, why do you think we don't see more of that? Like, why do you think we don't we you know don't see the same level of you know miracles happening mm-hmm. um, in the physical? Because I know it's possible. Yeah. You know, I know that Jesus can do whatever He wants, and that the Holy Spirit has the power and has the authority. Um, and I know that there are miracles that w- are happening all the time, and we just don't notice them. Yeah. But why do you think we don't see more of this in you know in the culture?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, my opinion, and this this is somewhat based on, you know, Jesus going from town to town, and and one of the scripture talks about not miracles were done in a certain town because there was little faith. And, and so I think a big part of it is, you know, especially where we see, um, sort of the beginnings of, um, Christianity and sort of, you, you know, you look at where there is persecution in the church, there's also great miracles being done. Like one of the things that's happening in, in the Middle East right now is there are all kinds God is revealing himself to Muslims in incredible ways in the Middle East. And and that's happening through dreams. That's happening through healings. That's happening, and it's right. there's an element of Western culture where I think what's true of Western culture is
1: there's little faith because mm. it is kind of a materialistic culture in the sense, you know, not just for wanting to have things, but yes. materialist like the worldview where you 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 really just think basically everything is just. Um, Science. Everything is just a you know very intellectual. Everything we expect to happen will happen. And there's very little spiritual faith that you see where people actually step into asking God to move in ways that would um they actually believe would happen. Yeah. And that is a good point where Jesus went to there are times even where Jesus didn't heal anybody because there was no faith. (laughs) There
0: was no faith. Yeah. The 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 additional component is the it's it's a faith to act and believe, but it's also a, a, a requires faith on the receiving end of that as well uh. and so it's almost like what we see in scripture is there's there's got to be that together believing that God is going to do something.
1: So there's like, let's say I'm praying for you. There's a faith that I have when, yes. when, you know, like let's say I have 100% faith and I'm praying for you. Yes. But you could not.
0: Yeah. If I'm like, yeah, I don't believe that's going to happen. Then <laughs> that is affect. not going to happen. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. It, but it's also not saying that everything you pray for, that if you just believe enough, it's going to happen. That's also not true. Right. Because there are some times when we pray for things and ask for things and God obviously says no. And he's got He's got good reason for that, even though we might not understand it in the moment. Um, but there is that faith component where, yeah God God has, through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, has given us the ability to do the things that Jesus did and do even greater things than Jesus did, and we can walk in that and believe for that. And even when God says no to certain things that we pray for, if we're praying for healing or praying for a miracle, even if God says no, we can still persist in prayer and ask for things and believe that God still wants to do greater things even if there are times that, that He says no to us. So I, ho- I hope
1: this is a faith-stretching story for everybody and that you know we maybe even t- in, in your group or in your private devotion as you're going through these videos, Stop and and ask God to do something that you've given up on Mm. and um, step into having some faith that He could do something that seems to you like it's totally impossible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, we hope you have a great discussion and that you can pray for one another. And our prayer is that God would do miracles in your group. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.